Hey, this is Pastor Tom with North Lincoln Baptist Church, and you're watching Not Another Church Podcast. This is a weekly podcast featuring church staff and your host, Pastor Tom. So thanks for tuning in. All right, well, this is Pastor Tom on Not Another Church Podcast. Today we have the, the usual suspects, Donna Huff and uh, Brian Goble, mm-hmm. and today we're going to be talking about biblical manhood and womanhood. And so... Uh, this whole subject really came out of just thinking about what are some of the issues that are pressing in the church today. And I, I was thinking about the feminization of the church and the issues that that, that has created where, you know, I think the statistics somewhere around 70% of men polled said they do not feel comfortable in a church today. And uh, they, I, I've heard it called the Oprahization of the church. Um, I want a car. A car for you? Right. Car for you? I haven't seen a church like that yet. <laughs> if we're doing that, I'm, I'm going there. Church. <laughs> well, if everybody looks under their seat here, they're probably more likely to find an old communion cup and <laughs> or a Roomba. <laughs> a dead right. Roomba. Somewhere. A dead Roomba. <laughs> There's going to be a crayon, you know. Yeah, some crackers. Um, but uh, so that kind of led me thinking about the, the, just the idea and the the difficult time we have even discussing the subject. And a, a good example of that is, is in, to prepare for this, I went out to find the Danvers statement on biblical manhood and womanhood, and so just Googled it. First hit that comes up is Wikipedia. I click it, and the Wikipedia article doesn't include the actual statement. It's only negativity about the statement. And the Danvers statement is about as vanilla as it gets. It essentially says that we believe that men and women are created equal, but they're different. Just saying that men and women are different is offensive to some people, highly offensive to other people. Um, and so I think it's a subject that needs to be, needs to be discussed. Um, I really didn't plan on getting into a lot of the, the, the um, complementarianism kind of issues, but more just talking about um, how, how that, this plays out in, in the church. Um, I saw today a Babylon Bee article that was uh, how you can tell the theology of your pastor by his hairstyle. <laughs> and so it had like Joel Osteen's hair and, and uh, Spurgeon's hair, the, a godly lion-like mane, um, and then it, it had uh, like just your standard hair out. Karen flip. And <laughs> it's like if your pastor uh, is a woman, you need to send her back to the children's ministry. Oh, <laughs> and there's the first offensive area. There we go. Oh boy, we need a little bell to ring. That's yes. right. Is there, a, is there a buzzer? You remember the buzzer we talked about last yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. Nah. You got the buzzer, yeah. First you get a buzzer. Yep. But um, so for, let's start out and talk about the creation. And uh, in Genesis, the very beginning, it says, And God created uh, men and female, men and women, he created them. It's not unambiguous. Before the fall, um, before anything fell, we were made as men and women. And so the fact that we're different is from the beginning. That's not a result of the fall. I think it's uh, Matt Chandler in his, his uh, Song of Solomon sermon series says that 
Satan didn't sneak in while God was go going to get a cup of coffee and, and add breaths and, and, hey, I got them now, kind of a thing that men and women being different and being made differently is not a result of the fall. The confusion about it is a result of the fall and mm -hmm. our inability to deal with it and for men to trend into the woman get me a sandwich world and the, just all of that is a result of the fall. Um, but the fact that we're different is not. So why do you guys think that we have such a hard time admitting what is clearly in front of our very face? That we're different. Well, I'll go first. Okay, let's say, give I'm, Ryan. I'm thinking. Okay. Sometimes my wheels have to start turning <laughs> yeah. out a little bit. I'll give, I'm, I'll give you a minute to process. Chewing on it. For yes. Minute. So, you know, I guess um, my, my my mind always goes back to the wickedness of our own heart. How the Bible talks about from the very beginning the rebellion of our own heart. I mean, you know, Eve was the first one who stepped up. I mean, we, you, you know. I laugh and we've laughed multiple times, Tom, in the past in conversations we've had because you can always go back to Adam and Eve. You can kind of yes. see everything is pictured in that one story where you've got, uh, you know, one rule, don't break it. You've got male and female. You've got roles that are given to them. You break, they break it. You know, it, it's the wickedness and the rebellion of our own heart. And we see that and we've watched it, especially in recent times here in America as we watched marches and speeches that are given in the absolute... Um, virulent anger that over how dare you tell me I'm a woman and that's all I can be. There's an idea that's kind of, kind of got a negative connotation that always comes with it, and that's where we see where we're constantly pushing back boundaries, not realizing that God has put them in place for our protection and our safety and for the best possible life that we have here on earth. Um, we tend to push back against it because we think that we should be the rule makers. We want to be the one who decide if what gender I am, who I am, what I am, you know, we, we constantly are pushing back against that. And I see that as a society in all of the issues that we face right now. Every part of it is because I want to make the decisions for myself. God can't tell me what to do or even who I am. I, I think, you know, as, as you just look at, you know, I think of how our family is supposed to operate. There's you know, the man's supposed to be the man of the household, but, you know, once again, I think man and woman's supposed to be a team effort, in, in whether it's in ministry ways or in life or whatever, because there's there's all these things that a woman can, oh, there's all these things that women can do a whole lot better than men, and, and, and sometimes men just don't, I have a hard time sometimes accepting that a woman can do a better job in this area than I can, only because I just think I can do everything in the world and then realize my world comes crashing down because I can't. Well, you know what's funny but, about that is after Tom was talking about what the subject was going to be today and I was, you know, kind of just going through it in my mind and I was thinking one of the best things that I think God has worked on in me, now this is just me personally and I think that probably those of us who have been married a long time would tell you, is that we finally kind of laid down the idea that I have to control everything or I have to be in charge of everything and suddenly I can let my spouse um, shine in the good parts that they can do that I can't. Mm -hmm. And when we're younger, we have this kind of idea, or at least I did, that I thought I had to be good at absolutely everything. Going into marriage, I had to be able to do it all, handle it all, raise the children, you know, 
every role that I took up upon myself. And one of the great things that as marriage has gone along for us is that I've been able to just step back and go, you know, I can't do that. But Ben does a great job at it. So let him do it. And it's sort of um, that word we don't like to think of, but it, some of it comes under that role of submission where I'm like, okay, hun, you know, I, I don't have this. I don't know what to do. Or I've looked back at a situation, you know, the hindsight 2020 that we talk about, but looking back at a situation and I go, yeah, he handled that so much better than I did. And, you know, in the moment, I don't always see it or recognize it. But through the years have come to the point where I am glad and, and I'm happy in that role, in the place that God has given me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that in, in, in marriage, the place where it shines, at least for me, where I can see it the loudest is in, in nurturing. Um, I, when my kids were little and... Ann wasn't around, and I had to to comfort them when they'd gotten a boo-boo. You know, Ann would blow on it, give them hugs and kisses. And my kids would literally get mad at me because I'm patting them on the back going, they're there. (laughs) Like, you didn't blow on the boo-boo, Daddy. They're there. Yeah. It's going to be okay. They're there. And clearly, that's not, it doesn't have the same effect. Um, And so there there are places where... um, the husband and wife have gifting, and a lot of times you can see in, in the child that dad is not allowing the mother to step into her role, and it's just all, you know, clean your room, blah, 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 or vice versa. You're, you're not going to yell at the kids, or you're not going to discipline the kids, and so it needs to be all nurturing. And I think that both the husband and wife bring to the table in their natural disposition. Even doing marriage counseling, I've noticed that just about every married couple has a saver and a spender. They have a person who uh, gets really wrapped up about finances and one who's like, nah, we got $8 left in the checking account, who cares? And and that's just one example of 50 where they fit because that. They, they each bring unique gifts to the table that the other one doesn't have. And I think in that boo-boo scenario where you're talking about, like, the kids hurt and you have nurturing, there are times when I've seen Ben step in and be like, you know, come on, get up, you're fine, let's keep going. And I have watched how the balance between the two of us, you know, and it's better, easier to see looking back, how much it helped. And, you know, you see it in single-parent households, you see it in other places where they don't necessarily have someone there that fall, that you know, I, most of them do. I know that there's several that have grandparents and extended family that have stepped into those roles, and they do the best they can in the situation which they find themselves. It's not in any way to um, downplay the role that when you're a parent doing it alone, how hard that is. But that I have seen that they don't always have that second person on, you know, when you're having a bad day. And, Tom, you would know this when Ann's able to step in, you know, you're in a bad mood and you've yelled at the kids too much and she's able to step in and kind of bring peace to the situation and mitigate it or... Now, why do you assume that I'm the one that's in a bad mood? (laughs) Well, I'm not saying that necessarily would happen. I'm just giving it as a possible example. But, you know, on the days when you have that extra person and you see why God created that mom and dad structure because one is able to step in when the other's not and pick up where the other one slacks off or needs extra help. And, you know, I just think it's a, um, it's a fantastic thing when it's working like it's supposed to. And often it, it, it does, and often it doesn't, where we push back against that. Yeah. And, and conflict is usually the result of 
misplaced expectations about this is I was expecting it to happen this way and it didn't happen that way and we 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 fight that and we we push back all right with that we end today's podcast thanks for watching not another church podcast with your host pastor tom we want to invite you to join us sundays for small group at 9 a.m worship services starting at 10 a.m and you can find north Co baptist church live each week on facebook and our northlinco.org website if you miss church, no worries. Our past services are easily accessible. They're archived on YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook. Make sure to stay up to date by following northlinco.org. Go serve your king.